but on tonight with one of my favorite characters, uh, actually my favorite character besides the Lord Jesus himself in all the Bible, Moses, and he's one of the heroes mentioned in this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, whole chapter on the subject of faith, because I'll tell you something, like we learned from Brother Reed this morning, it takes faith to accept the truth of what we now have in Jesus Christ. And in the first 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews, we have discovered some fantastic truth. We've discovered that Jesus is better. He's better than everything and everyone we've ever known, anything that we've ever experienced. And for these Hebrew believers that were being written to in the book of Hebrews especially, they had been told Jesus, he's providing for them a better priesthood and a better sanctuary and all because of a better sacrifice, a once-for-all sacrifice that forever sanctifies those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. And this some wonderful, wonderful truth we've unpacked in the book of Hebrews so far. And now we come to the end of chapter 10 and the beginning of chapter 11, and it says how the Bible goes on and says, let us live in light of these truths. And living in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ, living in light of our newfound identity in Jesus Christ, it takes faith to believe it. And so here's a whole chapter on the subject of faith. And uh, we have learned many things about the subject of faith. Um, one thing I've repeated uh, several times out throughout this series, if you're going to, uh, the Bible says, he that walks with uh, wise men, uh, shall be wise. And if you, want, if you want to be wise, it's a good thing to walk with wise men. And uh, that's an important thing for us to understand. And we're taking a, while, a walk with some wise men and women who practice faith and throughout their lifetime, and we're learning lessons from their experiences here. And already as we've marched through this chapter of Scripture, we got a description of faith in the first three verses, and then we've walked down and we've learned from the life of many of the different heroes of the faith. We've seen a worshiping faith from Abel in verse 4. We've seen a walking faith from Enoch in verses 5 and 6. We've seen a witnessing faith from Noah in verse number 7. And we've seen a, a waiting faith from the patriarchs, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. But now we've made our way to Moses. And as we began to discover last week from Moses, we are going to uncover what a willing faith looks like. What a faith that is surrendered to God looks like. And it's so important for us to understand uh, this thing, the life of Moses and, and that of his parents and the people that he led Israel. They show us in part what a surrendered faith is supposed to look like. A surrendered faith is a faith that is ever willing to choose to believe God regardless of the circumstances that you may be surrounded by. And I believe that uh, when it comes to Moses, his willing faith was demonstrated in his willingness to choose, to choose to trust God every time against all odds. It really is unbelievable what the Bible outlines for us from the life of Moses, how he chose to trust God, and he had a surrendered faith, even when it didn't make sense, even when doing what God was asking him to do meant giving up from a worldly standpoint many things. We still see he chose to put his faith in the Lord, and that's what faith looks like. Uh, that's what true faith is supposed to look like. Every day of your life, I said this last week, you make choices. And uh, those choices that we make uh, are either choices are, that are following our feelings, our flesh, or they're choices of faith, 
Choices to trust God. The Bible says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so we have choices to make on a day-to-day basis. And I said this last week, I'll say it again now. True faith is defined by the choices that it makes. And there are many, there's been many a man and many a woman called of God to do something. And instead of uh, following uh, the word of God and what God had led them to do, they turned tail like Jonah in the scripture. They went the opposite direction. That's not faith. That's flesh. That's going your own way. Faith requires the ability to trust God even when he leads you in a direction that you're not comfortable with or that from a human perspective may not make sense. And so from Moses' life, we began to uncover this last week. We're going to continue on with it here. I believe that we see his willing faith demonstrated through two different things. Really, the first one, the first thing we see it demonstrated through is through the things that he chose to reject. We're going to finish that off here tonight, and then we're going to pick up uh, the next uh, series of things we see talked about here in Hebrews 11 that surveys his faith for us, and that is we see his willing faith demonstrated not just through what he chose to reject, but through what he chose to accept. And we're going to look at both of those things uh, here tonight. But let's read what the scripture has for us first, starting in Hebrews 11, verse number 23. If you're there with me, say amen. The Bible says in verse 23, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had a respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." Through faith he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. And so we see again this wonderful demonstration of a willing, surrendered faith from the life of Moses. And the question I ask you today is do you have a willing faith? Are you willing to choose to trust God in your present situation? Are you willing? To put your faith in the Lord. That's the question we need to think about tonight as we look at the example of Moses in the Scripture. Let's bow our heads and and ask God's blessing on our time in the Scriptures tonight. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would uh, just anoint the time in your Scripture. I pray, God, that you'd speak through your Word. And uh, I pray, God, that you would minister to the deepest needs of our heart. There may be things going on in our lives right now that we don't realize are faith issues. And God, I pray that you would help us to see uh, the need for us to practice faith, uh, letting you be our confidence, motivate our convictions, uh, be our paradigm for how we're looking at the circumstances of our life. Let our gaze be shifted to be a gaze of faith tonight and not of fear and not of flesh and not of our mere feelings. And I pray, God, that you would use the example of Moses that you've given to us in the Scripture to minister to us in our present situation. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Well, that's pretty good. All right, I know you all are tired tonight. How many of you got your nap today, Okay. Okay, that's why. That's why our amens are kind of down tonight, okay? Uh, but uh, no, no napping. I know it's a little warm in here. No napping in the service tonight, okay? I'll send Brother Jerry after you, so watch out for that. A willing faith. It's, we see it demonstrated through the choices it makes. 
And we first see it demonstrated through the, what it chooses to reject. Now let me just review for you with you for a minute. If you have your outline tonight, one of the first things we looked at was that a willing faith chooses to reject the world's power. Moses' parents, when they were uh, threatened by the government, that the government said, you've got to kill your children, um, your, your, your sons, they, cho- they chose to reject what the threat of the world's power had against them, and they chose to do what God had told them to do. And we looked at that last week. The second thing we looked at is that a willing faith chooses to reject the world's prestige. Uh, the Bible says there in verse number 24 that Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. All the prestige, all the privileges that would have come with that, and yet he refused what the, the prestige the world had to offer him, and he chose rather to, uh, to, to take what God was, was striving to give to him, which he believed was so much better from an eternal standpoint. The third thing we looked at last week is that a willing faith chooses to reject the world's pleasures, and that's in verse number 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And I'd rather take eternal blessing than seasonal enjoyment. And that is what that's the decision that Moses made as well. And now here's a fourth truth tonight. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. A fourth choice that a willing faith will, will make, and that is a willing faith chooses to reject the world's possessions chooses to reject the world's possessions. Now look down at verse number uh, 26 with me tonight. If you're there, say amen. All right, this side's doing good. The rest of you need to get with the program tonight, okay? Uh, Verse 26, the Bible says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The Bible tells us here that Moses esteemed something. That word esteemed, uh, that, that he made that choice to esteem something by faith. That word esteem indicates to us that he made a judgment call. He made a decision. In other words, this this is an accounting term, and and what it tells us is that he carefully considered what this decision involved. On the one hand, he had the treasures of Egypt. Now, that Greek word literally literally indicates a treasury, and uh, how many of you were really into Egyptian uh, lore when, when you were young like I was. I love Egyptian history. I love uh, I, 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 just something that I've always loved. In fact, I started learning how to write things in Egyptian when I was really young. And I went around telling my friends that I was adopted because I could write in Egyptian. They believed me. And uh, so there you go right there. There's a little bit of history for me. But uh, I love Egyptian history. And all of us are familiar with, uh, in, in, in the last 200 years, the treasures of Egypt that have been discovered. Um, King Tut, uh, his, his, the, the, all the treasures that were discovered around uh, uh, his body. And, and in the pyramids of Egypt, uh, there are, uh, there are uh, uh, museums in England now that hold many of the artifacts of, of, of Egyptian history. And the fact is, uh, the, the Egyptian power, when, when the Egyptians were in a superpower in the world, they were a very wealthy nation. And we still look back on the structures they built and the, the, the gold and the silver uh, treasures that, that come out of Egypt, and we look at those and think, wow, that, 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 that was a, uh, a magnificent time period of history, and that's the time period that Moses lived in. And on one hand, Moses had all this treasure, all this wealth to consider, and all the treasuries of Egypt, which he would have been very familiar with. But on the other hand, he had what the Bible calls here the reproach of Christ. 
Now, I find that phrase to be very interesting. And here's why I find that phrase interesting. Moses had no idea who Christ was. So he had the reproach of Christ. So what in the world is it talking about when it says, on one hand, he had the treasuries of Egypt. On the other hand, he had the, he had the reproach of Christ. Here's what one person suggested. He said that it means he was willing to take reproach to move from having everything to having basically nothing. From being honored to being treated with scorn and disdain, as was Christ. He bore a reproach, the kind of reproach that is characteristic of Christ, who is infinitely rich, infinitely privileged, infinitely satisfied in the presence of God, and set it all aside to do the will of God, to come down, to suffer ill treatment on behalf of the people of God. And in this sense, Moses is very much like Jesus Christ. We know 2 Corinthians 8, 9, where the Bible tells us, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. That ye through his poverty might be rich. That's the same type of reproach Moses decided to bear. I'm going to give up the riches I could have and bear the reproach of Christ. And I'll take the shame with the people of God. And I'll take the poverty with the people of God because I'm living for a greater purpose. And that's the decision that Moses made in the scripture here. And all of this, the Bible says in verse 26, he did because he had respect. That word respect, it's an interesting word in the Greek. Uh, it's apoblepo. And it means literally to turn your eyes away from other things and to fix them on one thing. Philippians chapter 3 uh, puts it this way, this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's fixing your eyes on one thing. And while they could have had all these riches around him, Moses decided to fix his eyes on the one thing God had given him to do. He decided to bear the reproach of Christ. And he, he steadfastly set his gaze on a goal. And that goal was God's purpose for his life. And because he did that, the Bible says he had this, this focus, this respect unto the recompense of the reward. Recompense of the reward, reward speaks of a payment of wages due. And what Moses essentially did is he decided, you know what? God is a better uh, is a better person to serve than the Pharaoh of Egypt. And God has a greater reward for me to live for than what this world has to offer to me. And so Moses chose to reject this world's possessions. And let me say this, that this is what a, a, a living faith, a willing faith is going to look like. A willing faith uh, necessitates a willingness to choose to reject the possessions of the world in exchange for the reproach of living for Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did for us, as we said before, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And the Bible tells us in Philippians 2, 5, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who is willing to step down from heaven's throne and come down and serve the people of this world and make possible uh, uh, our redemption. And that is the same type of focus we're supposed to have as we presently live in this world. Hey, what good is all the riches of the world going to do to you anyways? You can't bring it with you. What shall profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The book of Matthew asks us that question and how important that is. I love the song. We don't have time to sing it tonight, but I'd rather have Jesus. I love that song. And I tell you, you can have all the riches you know, than to be a king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything 
this world has to offer us today. And oh, how important that is. And by the way, uh, it's easy for us as Americans to get caught up in living for stuff. We're getting ready to go to Christmas time, you know that? The stuff is coming up on the TV right now. Oh, I need that. I didn't know I need that, but I need that. And we can, we can get caught up living for stuff. And it's a very dangerous thing for us to do. But Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 tells us to set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And let's have our heart set with a steadfast gaze on the reproach of Christ instead of the possessions of this world. And so a willing faith that chooses to reject the world's possessions. But a fifth thing I want you to note down tonight is this. A willing faith chooses to reject the world's pressure. And this is significant for us as well. Look at verse number 27. If you're there with me, say amen. Verse 27, the Bible says, by faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, I don't know about you, but if you study the life of Moses very much, when I read this verse, it's almost like uh, the author of Hebrews got it wrong. If you've, if you've studied the life of Moses, um, when Moses left Egypt, um, he fled. He killed an Egyptian, and he ran. And the Bible even says in the book of Exodus that he ran because he feared the wrath of the king. And then we read this verse here, and it says that by faith he forsook Egypt. Um, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And it seems like it's a contradiction of terms until you understand what the word forsake means. That word forsake is a word that literally gives the idea not just of leaving something behind, but of renouncing something entirely. And I propose to you that Moses made the decision to forsake Egypt long before he ever left Egypt. See, it was because Moses had made the choice to renounce his title as an Egyptian prince, to renounce his connection to Egypt that led him to, and he did it the wrong way, step forward and try to defend his own people. And he ended up killing a guy, which is not justifiable. But that was, it was his entire choice to renounce Egypt and his attachment to it that led him to kill an Egyptian and then run away from Egypt. He decided not, because he was attached to Egypt. He was an Egyptian prince. We talked about this last week. It was possible for him to even become a pharaoh one day if, if, the, if, the, if, if all the ducks fell in a row together the way that they should. But he decided to renounce that, to forsake that, and he was not going to allow that to be something that motivated his life. And so he he forsook Egypt. He walked away from it all. And so we see in this that Moses' faith to forsake, it overcame his feelings of fear. And that's what the Bible says. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not what? Fearing. The wrath of the king. And we've talked about a lot about faith and a lot about fear this year. And his faith in God's plan, God's promise, God's purpose for his life, it overcame his fear of what would happen if he didn't do what was expected of him. If he denied, and I guarantee you there was pressure. 
For him to make the decision to renounce Egypt and to turn his back on the Pharaoh, uh, he, was, he, he had to face the pressure of what Pharaoh was going to do to him. He had to face the pressure of, of what his Egyptian mom uh, was, was going to do as well. He had to face the pressure of whether or not if he made this decision, his people would even accept him, which they didn't do at first. There was all of these pressures that were surrounding him, and yet Moses, he knew that he had a call of God on his life, and he made a decision to against the pressure that he faced from the world, against making that decision. He made the decision to go ahead and do what God had told him to do. And he didn't fear the wrath of a visible king because he knew his life was in the hands of the invisible God. He rejected the power that Pharaoh held over him. He didn't live with the fear of man, and he went forward in faith to do what God had told him to do. And I say to you tonight that a willing faith will choose to renounce the world's pressure and to rely on God's power every single time. Now this was significant for these Hebrew believers that were being written here to in the book of Hebrews. One person put this in response to that. He said, the visible world of Judaism was putting as much pressure on these Hebrew believers as Egypt had been to Moses. But they too must endure as seeing him who is invisible. They could not have both Judaism, the old, obsolete, visible religious system, and Christ, the risen and ascended, invisible, soon-coming Messiah. And you can't have it both ways. Um, the, the world will try to put pressure on us to live a certain way, to think a certain way, uh, to go about our lives in a certain way, but we, can't, we, cannot, we cannot serve God and mammon. You can't have it both ways. You cannot live for God at, while at the same time doing what this world tells you you're supposed to be doing. There's going to have to be a renouncing. There's going to have to be a forsaking of Egypt, a forsaking of the things of this world if you're going to live a life by faith. Because a life of faith doesn't make sense to this world. It doesn't make sense at all. My people ask me, why would I throw money in an offering plate? That's dumb. <laughs> From a worldly perspective... Um, that, doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense at all unless you believe the promises of God and you've, you've experienced the provision of God. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that we do as Christians that the world looks at and says, no, that, that's, that's silly, that's dumb, I won't do that. You're going to have to resist the pressure of this world, reject it, and choose to believe in the Lord and how important that is for us to understand. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25 that the fear of man brings a snare. It's a trap. You'll be enslaved your whole life to pleasing people. You live by the fear of man. But he that trusts in the Lord shall be safe, the Bible says. Psalm 118 and verse 8 says, It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes or leaders. And oh, how true that is for us tonight. And so we see this willing faith. It's demonstrated in what it chooses. And we see first what it chooses to reject. But with the time we have remaining tonight, I want us to notice what a willing faith chooses to accept. You see, having a surrendered faith it's not just about choosing not to do certain things. It's choosing to accept certain things that God tells you by faith as well. And I want us to notice these tonight. So if you're taking notes tonight, first of all, you can put down here, a willing faith chooses to accept the Lord's providence. It chooses to accept the Lord's providence. Now go back with me to verse number 23. You still with me tonight? Say amen. amen. A little warm in here. I'm going to take the jacket off. All right. How many of you are warm in here tonight? All right, all three of us, great. 
The rest of you are saying, no, don't tell pastor that. Uh, he'll turn the AC on. All right. A willing faith chooses to accept the Lord's providence. Verse 23. The Bible tells us about Moses' parents again. It says, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Moses' parents, you think about them. They not only chose to reject the power of the world over them, but they chose to accept God's providence in raising their son. And the providence of God is such an important thing for us to understand as the people of God today. But they chose to accept God's providence in their life. Amram and Jochebed were their names, Moses' parents. And that's not as commonly known. But when Amram and Jochebed bore Moses into this world, the Bible says they saw he was a proper child, or a beautiful child, okay? And uh, now what parent doesn't think their, their kid is beautiful when they're born into the world? I mean, it wasn't like uh, this happened. And uh, Now, Amram and Jochebed, they'd already had two kids. It wasn't like Moses was born and all of a sudden they think, oh, man, this one's actually pretty. The other two, they were ugly. Uh, that wasn't what was happening here. I explained this last week. The, the, the connotation with the, with the Greek, Greek wording here is that they saw that this child was beautiful in the sight of the Lord. In other words, God had ministered to their heart and made them understand that he had a special purpose for this child. A special purpose that, that compelled them to make a decision of faith to keep this child alive against all odds. And by faith, they chose to accept God's purpose for their son, and they chose to protect him and to prepare him for the purpose that God had for them. And so what, what were they doing then in all of this? Well, they chose to accept God's providence instead of cowering to the world's pressure and persecution. They chose to accept that God had a purpose for their child, and they didn't know how. They didn't know uh, how it was going to be possible to, to take a stand against the government of that day and keep a newborn baby crying all the time, hidden from the government, and yet they, they chose to trust that God was going to enable them to do it. I remember uh, my mom has told me this story many times uh, before I was born. Um, uh, and when I was still in the womb, uh, they went to the doctor one day, and the doctor told them um, what he perceived to be some, uh, some disappointing, sad news. And they informed my parents that based on the testing they had just done, that I was supposed to be Down syndrome. And uh, that doctor then re proceeded to recommend to my parents that they abort me because it was so early on in the, birth, in, in the part of the birth process. Um, and when that happened, mom and dad had a choice to make. And I'm thankful they made the choice to change doctors. <laughs> Uh, obviously, I'm standing here today. And, uh, but mom, has, mom told me that it was through that process that God began to, you call it, we can call it motherly tuition. I don't know what it was, but God began to speak to her heart. And she said that, I just knew, because there was so much uh, against you being born or being brought into this world, I just knew then that God had a special purpose for your life. And perhaps some of you could say that about your own kids as well, uh, having that type of experience. I believe that's something along the lines of what happened for uh, a Jacobet and Amram here, understanding that God had a special purpose for their child and being willing to trust the providence of God to be able to help them raise this child. And that's what a willing faith does. A willing faith chooses to be guided by divine providence and the choices that it makes. Now, what is providence? 
Webster's 1828 defines providence as the care and superintendence which God exercises over his creatures. The Bible tells us that by him, by God, all things consist. It tells us in the book of Acts that in him we live and move and have our being. Our God is a providential God, and he superintends his care over all of his creation here today. And uh, the fact is, the psalmist talked about the providence of God for believers when he said in Psalm 37 and verse 25, I have been young and now I'm old and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Our God is a God that is providential over our lives and when God makes a purpose known in this world, you better be certain that he's going to take care of it because he is a God who is providential. Are you willing to trust in the providence of God? Against all odds, a willing faith accepts the providence of God. Here's the second thing a willing faith accepts. A willing faith chooses to accept not only the Lord's providence, but the Lord's purposes. The Lord's purposes. Now we're going to look again at verse number 24. And the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses, by the providence of God, got to grow up in a godly home. Remember, when his parents put him in that ark and sent him down the river, Pharaoh's daughter, again, it was the providential hand of God, found him. And, and lo and behold, there was Moses' sister, Miriam, close by. And she called the little Hebrew girl over and said, um, do you know anybody that can take care of this baby for me until he's a little bit older? And she said, I know just the person. And she brought uh, little Moses back to, his, back to his mother. For the first, some people say five, even up to 10, maybe 12 years of his life, he got raised in his own parents' home. He got raised in a godly home. And I guarantee you, mom and dad, who had exercised faith in believing that God had a special purpose for this kid and had seen God enable them to spare his life, um, I'm sure Moses' parents, they poured in every ounce of the truth of the word of God that they could into that child, into that young boy, before, uh, before that he had to leave their home and go to the palace in Egypt. And so it's no surprise the Bible says in verse number 24 that by faith Moses, when he was grown up, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the Pharaoh's daughter. It's no surprise to us now that because Moses had been, uh, the word of God had been poured into his life and his parents had communicated to him that Moses, God spared your life for a reason. Moses, God has a great purpose for your life because he had been raised to understand that from a young age. It's no surprise to us then that when he got older, he decided, I'm not going to do what the world is telling me I'm supposed to do. I'm going to accept the purpose that God has for my life. I'm going to accept that God had a reason for not letting me be killed with all the rest of the Hebrew boys when I was young. I'm going to accept the fact that God has a reason for why he's allowed me to be raised in the home that I was raised in, uh, uh, in an unprecedented type of situation. I'm going to accept the purpose that God has placed on my life, and Moses made the decision to accept that purpose, and he continued to demonstrate it with every single choice he began to make after that. 
when he became an adult and he made the decision not to go with the world but to accept God's will for his life, to accept God's purpose for his life, he first of all went about doing it the wrong way, didn't he? The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 2 that he knew that God had raised him up to be a person to lead Israel out of Egypt. The first way he tried to go about doing it, he saw an Egyptian soldier abusing one of his fellow Israelite countrymen. What did he do? He looked this way, he looked that way, and he went over and he killed him. Hid his body in the sand. He was trying to take the matter into his own hand, trying to do God's will his own way. And we've learned from the book of Genesis that doesn't work very well. But, But even in that decision right there, which was the wrong choice, we see that Moses was making the decision to try to go with what God had called him to do and not go his own way. And so we see it demonstrated. Then God took him into the, the wilderness for, for over 40 years and, and got him whipped into shape and got him ready to, to fulfill the purpose that he had for him. And all of those things are true, but we see Moses making this decision of faith to choose to follow God's purpose for his life. And I'm going to tell you something right now, especially for you young people. There's not a more important decision you're going to make in life of faith than to choose to do what God wants you to do with your life. I was talking to a young man today, and uh, the young man was perplexed uh, about his future, and, and he was talking about all these things. He says, I just don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to go to this college. I don't know if I want to go to that college. And I stopped in the middle of the conversation, and I said, that's your problem. And he looked at me with a curious look. I said, you're talking to me about you, what you want to do. The question you should be asking is, what does God want you to do? But that's also true for you as a 40-year-old. As a seven-year-old man, woman, it's true for all of us in every phase of life. A, a, a willing faith, a surrendered faith, chooses to live for God's purposes and not for your own plans. Now, most of the time, God's plans don't make sense to us. And uh, I'm going to use mom and dad as an illustration of this right here. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, they're, they're right at retirement age. It doesn't make sense for them to move from where they're at in Kansas and move all the way out to Cortez, Colorado to teach in a Christian school. And uh, 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 it's not the wise, it wasn't necessarily the wise retirement choice. It wasn't necessarily the wise choice when it comes to uh, uh, p- perhaps finances or any of those other things. And yet God had worked in their hearts and they knew this is where God wanted them to come. And they made a decision of faith to do what God wanted them to do, even though it doesn't always make sense what God wants us to do. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8 tells us, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my ways thoughts than your thoughts. Hey, it doesn't make sense to take your wife and four kids and move all the way across the world to live in Thailand. But Brother Reed has decided to follow God's purpose for his life. It's a decision of faith to follow God's way instead of going your own way. By the way, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a great promise, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. 
That's what a willing faith does. A willing faith chooses to accept God's purposes. A willing faith chooses to accept God's providence. But I want you to see a third thing tonight. A willing faith chooses to accept the Lord's provision. It chooses to accept the Lord's provision. Look at verse number 28. We're almost done here tonight. The Bible says in verse 28, now we haven't looked at this yet. It says, through faith, he, Moses, kept the what? The Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now, after Moses spent 40 years getting trained by God in the wilderness, some of us take a little bit longer than others, I think, but 40 years getting trained by God in the wilderness and whipped into shape, God led him to come back to Egypt. And it's a phenomenal story. If you've not heard it, it's, it's wonderful. In the book of Exodus, you can read it. But when he came back, he began to lead his people uh, into freedom as God led him. And the way that it happened was through 10 plagues in Egypt. And I love studying the, the 10 plagues that took place in Egypt. And after nine of those plagues, the Pharaoh of Egypt still hadn't let the people of Israel go free. But there was one more to come. And it was this final plague that the Bible's talking about here that happened around the first Passover when it was instituted. This was a plague where God sent the angel of death into the household of every person in the land of Egypt, every person who didn't have the doorpost and the lintels of their door covered with the blood of a sacrificial lamb. And that angel of death went into those houses, and it took the life of every firstborn son in all the land of Egypt. It was an amazing thing that took place there and a demonstration of God's judgment. And God was clear to Moses that only those who applied the blood would be delivered. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13, the Bible says, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And read the next phrase with me there if you see it in your notes. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I love that. There's a whole hymn written about that. The Lord said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And so Moses, he had a choice to make here. When God made his word known, he had to choose whether to believe in God's provision for deliverance or to try to make his own way of deliverance. We know the story that Moses made the decision to keep the Passover. That's what it says in verse number 28. By faith he kept the Passover. That word kept, it literally means to celebrate or to, or to perform something. And Moses went forward with going through the whole process of what God had told him to do. And he led Israel to do the same thing. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter number 12 and, and 13 how they kept the Passover. They, they took a spotless lamb, a, 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 just a, a taintless lamb. They took this lamb and they killed it. And they spread its blood over the doorpost and the lintels of their house. And then they took it inside and they, and they cooked it and they ate it in haste. Now, that sounds like something you want to take your time eating. But the Lord said, eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. And they followed to a T everything God had told them to do. Now, they didn't understand why God was telling them to do it. It didn't necessarily make sense to go through this whole process. But God said, you're going to do this. If you want to spare the life of your firstborn, you're going to do this. And it was all very symbolic for us today. And boy, they did everything God had told them to do. And then that night, the angel of death came. And I'm sure as they sat in their houses, they heard the Bible talks about the cries that began to take place all over Egypt in chapter 14 of Exodus. And can you imagine sitting in your house that night 
and begin to hear people from all over that great city cry out in the middle of the night because their firstborn sons had lost their lives. I, uh, I've never heard the cry of a mother when her child dies. Um, I remember when Miss Laurel Davidson, her son, passed away. And I've talked to her neighbors in, in days since then, and they've talked to me about how from a great distance across the street, they could hear someone crying out. And that's what I picture in my mind. These moms, these dads, these families crying out. Can you imagine sitting there that night and wondering? I wonder if I'm going to be spared. It took some faith. And I'm sure there was still a little bit of hesitation and fear even in the middle of that night. But you know what the people of Israel found out? The angel of death didn't come in their door. Why? Because the blood was applied. And it preserved them through that night. And let me tell you something here tonight. That took some faith. That took some faith to, to accept the provision of God on their behalf. That what God said he was going to do, he was going to do. And willing faith, it chooses to accept God's provision on your behalf. And boy, this is so, so applicable, especially for these Hebrew believers and for you and I today. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, or no, I think it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that, that even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And Christ was the person that the Passover pointed to. You know what? It takes some faith for us to believe that the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us from all of our sin. And the fact is, we want to pick those sins back up. And uh, some of us, we, we struggle with, with, with uh, feelings of guilt and, and wondering if, if, we're, if we're actually fully forgiven. But the resounding message of the book of Hebrews is that a once-for-all sacrifice has, for, has been given. And because of that once-for-all sacrifice, you and I are fully forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ. We sing it all the time. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's only through Jesus. It's only ever going to be through Jesus. And thank God, when he looks down on you and I in our what was once a sinful state, because we've trusted in Jesus Christ, when he looks down at us, he can say this, we can say the same thing. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And I'm glad that the judgment of God has passed over me because the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied on my behalf. And if you trusted Jesus Christ, the same thing's true for you. And a willing faith chooses to accept God's provision. Listen, I'm not accepted by God because of my own merit. We learned this this morning from Brother Reed. I'm accepted because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And by faith, I don't, I don't understand how I could ever deserve it because I don't. But I believe it because God said it. And I accept it by faith. That's what a willing faith does. A willing faith accepts the Lord's provision. Here's the last thing I want you to note and we'll be done tonight. A willing faith chooses to accept the Lord's promise. Chooses to accept the Lord's promise. If you look at verse number 29, the Bible says, By faith they, Moses and all of Israel, they passed through what? The Red Sea as by dry land, with which the Egyptians assaying to do were drowned. Now, perhaps the most notable story in the whole Exodus account is the parting of the Red Sea. And we don't have a whole lot of time to park here, but 
The people of Israel, God had miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. And the Egyptians were mourning the loss of their firstborn children, their firstborn sons. And the people of Israel were able to leave. But the Bible specifically tells us that God didn't take them on the path that was easy. He took them down into a valley. He took them down to where the Red Sea was. And on one side they had a mountain. On the other side they had a mountain. They had these huge ranges beside them. And they came down and there was just water in front of them. The only way for them to go was back where they had come from. At least from a human standpoint, that's what it looked like. And boy, when, all, when, God, when God, while God was leading them to that place, the Egyptians, they got madder than a hornet. And they changed their minds. Why do we let them go? Why do we let, our, let all of our slaves leave? And so they pursued after the people of Israel, and they trapped them, it seemed, in that valley. And when all that took place, Moses exercised an, a, 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 another token of faith for us to take knowledge of. The Bible tells us about what he said in Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 13. Moses stood up with the enemies, with the, the enemies, the Egyptians standing behind them with a mountain on each side and a big body of water in front of them that seemed an insurmountable situation, an impossible situation to be delivered from. And Moses stood up in that situation and in Exodus 14 verse 13 he said, Fear ye not, stand still and See the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. Now, that took a lot of guts to stand up in front of the people. You've got the most powerful army in the world standing behind you. You've got a body of water in front of you. There are no boats around. There's no way you're taking two million people up one of those mountain ranges. And Moses stands up in the front and it says, don't be afraid. Really, Moses? Okay. Just stand still. God's going to deliver us. Now, that was a willing faith. And you know what? Moses has seen God come through 10 other times already. And now Moses is standing up with boldness and saying, God's been faithful to his word before, and he said he's going to deliver us. He said he's going to take care of us, and I just believe he's going to do it again. And so Moses stood there in front of the children of Israel, and I'm sure in that moment Moses looked up to heaven and began to pray, and I love what the Lord told him in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 15. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Why cry ye unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the Red Sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. Moses, when God spoke to him, he looked at the people of Israel and he told them, start walking. And they said, where? And he said, walk through that water. He said, you're crazy. And that's what the Lord told him to do. And Moses said, start rock walking. And Moses raised up his rod into the air. And wouldn't you know it, when the people of Israel started to move, and when Moses started to raise that rod, a symbol of the power of God, the Bible says that the Red Sea parted here and there. And it was a wall of water on both sides of them. I don't know what that must have been like. That must have been a fantastic thing to go through, to see the mighty hand of God doing those things. Uh, I remember uh, watching a cartoon of, of, of Moses when I was a kid, and they had pictures of fish swimming through the water as the pilgrims of Israel were walking by. I imagine that probably what it looked like. That would have been some easy fishing right there, Brother Eric. I Just reach right in and grab you something, okay? And so there they were. They walked through on dry ground because the people of Israel, not just Moses, but the Bible says by faith, 
They walked through that Red Sea. It wasn't just Moses, but now the people of Israel decided to follow the faith of Moses. And they exercised a willing faith to trust the promise of God against all odds in an impossible situation. And they saw God do the impossible on that day. They parted through that Red Sea on dry ground. And when they got to the other side, the Egyptian army pursued after them. And God brought down the waters on the greatest army of the world in that day and time. And they perished on that day. By the way, this is a very interesting thing. Uh, there are archaeological discoveries that are still going on over in that region of the world, and it's amazing that they've discovered chariot wheels, that they've discovered uh, shields, and that, that, that part of the water where the children of Israel went through. And uh, you know, the Word of God is true. These aren't fairy tales. These things happened in the Scripture, and God wrought a mighty deliverance in that day, all because the people of God were willing to believe in the promises of God. And that is what a willing faith will do. That is what a surrendered faith will choose to do. It chooses to accept the promises of God even if it goes outside of the realm of possibilities. I've had people ask me, Pastor, why in the world are you thinking about buying land and trying to build a new building? I'm not saying it's just me. Listen, we're in this together. You say, well, it's not, the, it's not the time in America. Do you understand what's happening in our country right now? It's not the time to be trying to make decisions like that. That's not something that's possible. Do you know how much lumber is? Do you know how much this is? Do you know how much that is? Well, I'm not interested in the possible today. We serve a God of the impossible today. And if God tells us he wants us to do it, then we can trust in the promise of God that where he guides, he will provide. And we can believe God and we can go forward against all odds trusting that God is going to do for us what he's leading us to do. And we need to understand that as the church here tonight. We live in a world with leaders who don't keep their word on most anything. But that should not jade our opinion and our focus on a God who is always good for his word. I like Numbers chapter 23 and verse number 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the Son of Man, that he should repent. Hath he said it, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Second Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. Friend, God's, if God says it, then I believe it, and that settles it. There's nothing more that needs to be said. That's what faith does, a willing faith. It just chooses to trust God. And so this willing faith is seen what it chooses to reject and what it chooses to accept. We could really bring it down to two simple things, all these things we've talked about. A willing faith chooses to reject the world, and a willing faith chooses to accept God's word. Every time. You talk about all the different areas of the world it chooses to reject and all the different areas of God's word it chooses to accept, but that's really what it boils down to. So for your current situation, are you going with what the world's telling you you should do or with what God's word's leading you to do? You say, well, the God thing doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. That's what, that's what faith is all about. It doesn't always have to make sense, okay, if that's what God's leading you to do. And uh, yeah, we've talked about this many times, but if, but if you can explain it, God's not in it. it. makes sense to you. God's not in it. You can do it on your own. You don't need God. There's no faith involved. Faith is outside of the realm of the possible. 
And God is calling us to have a willing faith like we see demonstrated from the life of Moses here. And would to God, we would start making choices in our day-to-day life to not go with the whims of our flesh and our feelings, but go with what our faith from the word of God is leading us to do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes together. Our heads are bound, our eyes are closed. Will you choose to accept God's word and to reject the world? You'll never go wrong if you choose to follow the word of God for your life today. What is the choice today that God is speaking to your heart about?